Alright guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is... Creogs over, over Coffee. coffee. So today we have back with us Mike Foley, who is going to be talking to us again about some very important financial information. Um, so today we're going to be talking about retirement and investing. So welcome back, Mike. Thanks so much for having me again. It's always, always fun. All right. So as we start off um, every podcast with you, Mike, we just kind of read off a little disclosure statement that uh, Michael is a comprehensive financial advisor running his practice out of Scottsdale, Arizona under North Star Resource Group. He was trained at Duke, holds a certified financial planner designation alongside his certified student loan professional designation. He serves a diverse group of clients with their financial and student loan needs. He has two physician parents and has found a specialty in working with those in the healthcare space. He is a registered representative and investment advisor um, of security and financial services, securities and investment advisory services offered through security and financial services incorporated member of FINRA and SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated 6720 North Scottsdale Road in Suite 290 in Scottsdale, Arizona 85253. Um, separate from his financial plan and role as a financial planner, Michael may recommend purchase of specific investment or insurance products or accounts, and these product recommendations are not part of a financial plan and you're under no obligation to follow them. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice. This information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and legal situation. All right. I think that covers it, Michael, um, for that kind of bit of a disclosure statement, but as always, we're excited to talk with you. Um, so what are our learning objectives today on this retirement and investing episode? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the big learning objectives this week are really to, you know, talk about how, how do all the various retirement accounts work and what, how is Roth different? Well, you know, how can you guys be as efficient as possible when saving for retirement? Uh, where's the best place to get started investing? And then, you know, really which investments should you be choosing in your different retirement accounts? So those are really, you know, what we want to be focusing on and really trying to simplify for you guys today. Well, let's get into it, Michael. Um, so, you know, with everything that I've heard, it, it kind of sounds like alphabet soup or like number salad, you know, like 401k, 403b, Roth IRA, traditional IRA. What do those all mean? And can you talk to us specifically about that Roth and how that's different from all the other ones? Yeah, sure thing. I know and that's that's the biggest thing. I think that you know half the time when I'm working with clients, it's a plain translator for what all of these different financial terms mean. Um, and so I really like to just simplify it for you. And so when you look at any retirement account, any retirement account can be broken into one of two categories. It's either a pre-tax account or a post-tax account or a Roth, as a lot of people now, it's one of the post-tax accounts. And um, the, the different title for like the 401k, 403b, TSP, um, those are all just different uh, IRS line items. So it's like section 401 and then subsection K on the IRS code. And that just designates what type of employer it's affiliated with. That's with a type of retirement plan. So a for-profit entity is going to have a 401k, any of the nonprofit universities are 403b, TSPs for government, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what, that's what all those mean. But really, we want to be looking at how are these things taxed? And that's really going to be the difference between any of these different accounts. Um, so really break, break it down. I like to just you know simplify it even further, just 
pre-tax and Roth, just to, because those are your two options that you're going to have in your retirement account. Um, and so let's start with, with pre-tax. So if you break down, I like to do it over a timeline. So if we look at, okay, when we put money into our pre-tax 401k, let's say, or your 403b, think of those as synonymous. If you're putting money into your pre-tax retirement account, um, let's say you make $100,000 one year and you put $10,000 into that account. Well, when you put that $10,000 pre-tax, what that means is that it is money that you don't have to declare as income in that given year. So if you put $10,000 in, you made $100,000, you only have to report to the IRS that you made $90,000 that year. So therefore, you're getting tax savings immediately in that first tax year that you have. So that's huge, huge savings right up front, which is great. Um, now that money grows, you choose how you want to invest it. That's another thing. Some people think that it's like this own entity, right? But it's just an account that you get to choose what different investments you want in there. And so that money will grow theoretically over time. And when it grows, typically in a normal account, you have to pay taxes on it every year. But when it's in a retirement account, it's called tax deferred growth, meaning you don't have to pay your taxes year over year. So it compounds very efficiently and you really like that. Compound, uh, compound growth over time. Um, but you can't touch it before you're 59 and a half or you get taxes and penalties. But if you wait until after 59 and a half years old, you can take out any money that you want out. But the caveat is, is that any dollar that comes out of that account is fully taxable as if you earned it in that year that you take it out. So that's where we're kind of almost kicking the rock down the road. So the, you know, the the original thought process with why people would want to do the pre-tax is saying, okay, well, let's put money away and not pay taxes when I'm earning a really high amount and I'm in a high tax bracket. But then and when I'm in retirement, I'm in a lower tax bracket, we'll pull the money out and we'll be at a lower tax bracket. That's the original philosophy on that. But we're seeing it not necessarily play into uh, play into, into fruition like just like that in practice because we tend to see tax rates are potentially going up over time, um, and people are typically spending almost the same as they were <laughs> before retirement, if not even a little bit more because they're traveling, and so they're having to pull out almost the almost the exact same amount out of their retirement accounts, which is putting them right back into the higher highest tax bracket if they're if that's where all their assets are. So. Um, so pre-tax is great for the upside, uh, up, upfront tax savings, but we got to remember, we're really just kind of kicking the, kicking the rock down the road for, from the tax standpoint. So if we bounce over to the other side now, we talk about Roth. Roth is almost the reverse. So when you put the money in there, so let's say you'll have access to a, you know, Roth uh, 401k, and we'll talk, we'll talk about that in a second, but you put money, let's say you put that same $10,000 in your Roth 401k. Um, you don't get any tax savings today by putting that $10,000. Even if you make $100,000, you put $10,000 in your Roth 401k, it will still show as if you made $100,000 that year and you'll pay your full taxes on that. Um, it grows tax deferred, just like pre-tax. So you don't have to pay taxes on it year over year, which is fantastic. There's still penalties if you take out any of the growth before age 59 and a half. But if you wait until after 59 and a half, you know, you've you've already paid your taxes on the amount that you put in called your basis, but all that growth over the, the if you're in your 30s and you don't retire until 65, all that growth, there's a substantial amount of growth you've never paid any taxes on. And if you wait until after 59 and a half, you never have to pay any taxes on that. And all of any amount that comes out of your Roth in retirement 
is completely tax free. So it's it's probably one of the most efficient retirement vehicles that we have. And um, so I think those are those are kind of the the big differences. But you know, one of the things that is helpful for people is to understand the history of the Roth, because you know a lot of what most of my older clients. Um, they they have most of their money in pre-tax retirement vehicles. So you talk to people like our parents' age, or you know, talk to older older physicians that are that are retiring. Most of their assets are going to be in pre-tax retirement accounts because that's just what they had access to. Because the Roth, the whole concept didn't come out until the late '90s, and the late '90s they developed this uh, called the Roth IRA or the individual retirement account, and they they developed that. Uh, you could how they could help the lower middle class to save for retirement, and they wanted to kind of ease the pressure on the Social Security Administration. Um, and I don't know if that worked, but <laughs> but it developed a new category for us um, called the Roth. And so, but they put income limitations on there, and so they wanted to help that lower middle class. So they said, you know, for right now, if you made you know, if you're single and you make um, over $144,000 a year, you can't put money into a, a Roth IRA anymore. Uh, if you're married, filing joint, $214,000, you make over that, you can't put it into there. Um, but, and so that was, is designed for that. There are some ways that we can have our clients, you know, put, still put $6,000 towards their Roth IRA and kind of get around that. But that, it's called the backdoor Roth IRA, but that door is likely going to be closing here soon. So really what we're going to be relying on is what we have through our employer. Um, and it was really nice because these employers, typically you can only make pre-tax contributions to your retirement plan through your employer. But just as of like, you know, last few, few years or so, they've actually allowed you to start making Roth contributions to a lot of these employer plans. So now you can decide if you want pre-tax contributions to your 401k, or if you want to make some Roth contributions to your 401k. You still can't go over the 20,500, but it doesn't matter how much money you're making anymore and you can still get Roth contributions away. So um, so it's really nice that uh, we can have a lot more places to save money that a lot of our older physician clients just didn't frankly have when they were building in most of the, the, their career. So well, thank you for demystifying that uh, alphabet soup and also uh, giving us a little bit of the history too, because it's helpful to understand um, and kind of gets to the next question, I guess, is that I can imagine that as you know, physicians where we go through a huge income change at some point in our career, that um, the strategy changes a little bit with these vehicles. And so I guess the, the simple question I want to ask is, how can I be as efficient as possible when I'm investing for my retirement? Yeah, of course. And I think a lot of people ask, you know, how can I be most efficient in my invest in investments? And they typically think the conversation is going to go towards, you know, what underlying investments should I be investing in? You know, should I invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, index funds, you know, those sorts of things. But when you actually look at it, the, the more impactful is what type of account are you investing in? Is it a, what type, how is that account that you're investing in taxed? Because that is going to be a lot more impactful over time because the underlying investments are the same. You know, you can put, you know, different types of investments in a, you know, a Roth or a pre-tax retirement account, but how is that taxed on the back end is a bigger, bigger question. And so, you know, as an example, you know, if you have a client, you know, client A, you know, has a, you know, $4 million net worth and 
all of it is in pre-tax retirement savings. You know, we see that quite a bit. You know, we have that, you know, all, all of their nest egg is in pre-tax retirement. Um, then we have client B who has, you know, some in pre-tax. So they have the same $4 million net worth, but some of it's in pre-tax, some of it's in Roth, some is in insurance, some is in non-retirement investment accounts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, client B is going to be, you know, likely going to be in a far better spot from, you know, where, how they're going to be needing to access that money because they, they have a lot more places to pull from in, in, in retirement. And so what we're looking at from a taxation standpoint, they're a lot more diversified from a taxation standpoint, as opposed to client A, who just had all of it in pre-tax retirement. So now if, if client A needs to pull money in retirement to support you know, a $10,000 per month lifestyle, well, we might need to be pulling fifteen dollars to $20,000 out per month just to cover the tax bill for that. Whereas you know, we might not need to be pulling out as much if we can have half of that come out of a Roth that doesn't have any taxation, right? So your, your money can go a lot farther in, in that regard. So I'd rather my clients be in a client B situation than a client A, even if they have a very high net, net wealth, just because we want to be more efficient because those same dollars are going away. But when, how can you access that is very different. So that's, that's how I'd be really, really more efficient and where we're putting those money. Thanks for that, Mike. I think, you know, the next question that I'm sure, you know, I have, and I'm sure our listeners have is how do we get started with all of this? Cause I feel like, you know, we didn't learn this in medical school. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a huge question. And I feel like a lot of people um, want to get, get kind of dive right into a lot of these different things. Um, but we got to make sure we're not putting the cart before the horse, right? And in some of our pre previous sessions, we talked about some of the basics that we have to take care of and kind of the waterfall approach that we got to make sure that we have, you know, our emergency reserve have all of our things taken care of before we start diving into this more offensive investments and stuff. But usually the best place to start is with your employer retirement plan. You know, a lot of the times if you by getting, you know, money into your retirement plan, a lot of times they're offering you a match by even putting money into it. So if you put 4% of your income, they'll match it and they'll double your money. That's a hundred percent return on your money by just putting the money into that. Right. And then looking at the different investment options that you have in there. Um, a lot of the times those are going to be a great place to start for people. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, we don't want you miss want you missing out on, you know, free money just you know, because your friend maybe told you to set up a Robinhood account and invest in, you know, this S&P 500 index and don't just set it and forget it. But then we're missing out on all the tax advantages of having your, you know, Roth employer money, right? That we could do this nearly the same strategy, but in a more tax efficient vehicle, right? So that's where I really start investing. And then we have different kind of piggybacks off of that. But in one of those, you know, kind of waterfalls of where we want to be building our money, you know, we really want to match maximize, once you guys do have that income jump, maximize every retirement vehicle that you have access to. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times there's different, you know, depending on where you're working, there's different, in, you know, retirement access that you have, and you're likely going to fill that up and we're going to still need places to put money in a tax advantage spot. But then we, we talk about the different options that you have from there, because there's a lot of different options. But 
that if we're talking about where to start, absolutely the retirement plan. Um, and now that even you can set, you know, you can start making Roth contributions for a lot of these universities and residency programs are allowing you to do that. Some still aren't, but a lot, most of them are. You don't even need to set up your own Roth IRA anymore. You can just set, you know, just make sure making Roth contributions to your 401k through your employer. And that's just as, just as efficient. Right. Let's say that I, um, have somehow managed to get really efficient and deal with my my investment accounts that are available to me, um, or I'm looking to move a little bit beyond the basics and I want to talk like stocks, bonds. Let's can we talk about some of those basics too? Yeah, for sure. And so the uh, the st stocks and bonds, I think, are um, uh, everybody has it probably has some sort of basic understanding of that. But I, I really like uh, you know for those of you who watch Shark Tank, um, that is. Um, a show where you have, you know, there's some investors and then, uh, you know, a young company comes and pitches them to try to get investment seed money for their company. It's, it's a great avenue to understand the difference between stocks and bonds. So just as in, a, in a Shark Tank example, let's say, you know, we have a company comes in, brand new company trying to get $100,000. And let's say, you know, Mark Cuban says, hey, I'll give you $100,000 for 10% stake in your company. Well, Mark just, you know, offered a stock ownership position in that company for 10% of the company, right? That's a stock. Well, now if we, you know, let's say Mr. Wonderful comes in and says, hey, I don't want to take any ownership of your company, but I'll give you that same $100,000, but I'm going to charge you 10% interest and you're paying me back over five years. Well, he just created a bond with that company. That's a bond. A bond is just loaning money to a company, a city, a municipality, you know, all these different, you know, things. It's, it's a loan. So if you think about it though, which, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, stocks are so much more risky, but how do you define risk, right? Because both of both in both situations, that company can go out of business. You know, it's not like one is more secure from from that standpoint. And so, a lot of people think of it that way. It's like, oh, if I have a bond or stock, you know, I'm, I'm you know more risky or less risky. But it's really the volatility that we have to be looking at because you know, in the stock, we don't know when that company is going to go up and down in value. But you know, Mister Wonderful knows that he's going to be getting his set interest rate payouts over a five-year basis. So it's a lot less volatile. So I'm not as concerned with my clients looking at, you know, which company is going to be the best. Uh, we want to take a lot more bigger picture because if we, instead of investing in one company, we invested in two companies, well, now we just halved our risk of that one company going under, going out of business. So now if we amplify that time to 100 times 1,000, we could almost neutralize that risk entirely. And now the risk is better defined as how volatile are the returns that we're going to be getting. And so that's where we have to be looking at that. And so... Um, in, in short, you know, I, I really want you guys thinking about investments um, from more of an evidence-based approach, just like you guys do in medicine. You know, looking at you know bigger picture and not trying to be the wolf of Wall Street and trying to you know pick the hot new medicine and start giving it to patients, right? You know, this is something that we want to be you know looking big picture at how these things have, have performed and making it making an adjustment towards that, making an educated decision about that. So if we look at it big picture, I want you guys thinking in the short term, we need to be very conservative. Long term, we can be more aggressive. So if we just if that if you take have any takeaways from this conversation, short term, very conservative, you know, long term, we can be more aggressive. You know, that's that's where I really want you thinking about. And then make sure you have a professional guiding you in the actual implementation of this stuff. Um, because there's a lot of different ways to to go about doing it, but it's really important that you understand the fundamentals of how we are investing, um, you know, from from that standpoint.
That's a uh, great advice. I, I think, you know, most physicians are probably not that wolf of Wall Street. They're probably just thinking about like, how do I invest for my retirement? So can we talk a little bit about which investments we should choose for our retirement accounts? Yeah, sure. And so, you know, a lot of the it, the investing in your retirement accounts just kind of a double-edged sword sometimes because a lot of times you don't get access to the best investments, investment options within your retirement account, which can be sometimes difficult. Um, and so there's well, usually you get a lot of different options. They give you a whole sheet of different investment um, options that you can choose from. And, you know, but what we found is that our clients don't keep up with it and don't, you know, as, as different things become, you know, what we call out of drift and they, you know, maybe you wanted this to be a, a certain percentage of your portfolio, but now it's like way higher percentage. And now it's totally out of, out of whack. Um, unless you're going in and regularly, you know, rebalancing that stuff, it can really get out of, out of, out of skew pretty quickly. And so that's where they have what are called target date funds, which I typically have leaned on for, for a lot of my clients, just for simplicity's sake. Um, a lot of the times, they're not the best funds that are within the target date funds, but these are funds that they essentially pick a retirement date. So let's say like 2050, 2055, it's whenever you're 65 and they automatically adjust your investment. Kind of like that same philosophy they were just talking about. They start off very aggressive. If you're, if you have, you know, a 30 plus year time horizon, they're going to be real aggressive in that, in that portfolio. And then as you get closer to retirement, it's going to get more and more conservative until, you know, right time that, you know, you're uh, you know at retirement, it's going to be almost, you know, almost all in cash or bonds at that point. You know, that, that's, that's how it, it will automatically rebalance it for you, which is nice. And so it, it, it maintains a little bit better portfolio for you longer term longer term and that if you're not going to be one to be rebalancing that so um, again I I don't love them because a lot of the times these uh, investment companies you know if they have a fund that's not performing very well um, they'll throw it in the target date fund because then it's the default for everybody's retirement plan and so they'll get a huge amount of participation and make the fund look really good right so that's why we don't love those because they're not all the most efficient funds but if you're someone who is just needs to you know wants to get started investing building into it that's going to be way better than sitting it in cash and, and not not investing at all. All right. Well, Michael, I think that does it for our time today. Um, of course, as always, we'll have your contact info and such up on the website. Um, but thank you for really illuminating investment and retirement. It's one of these things that is 30 plus years off the road for most of us. Um, but it's helpful to start thinking about now. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's always, always great to just try to simplify this stuff for you guys. All right. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go into your favorite podcatcher on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee One, on Instagram and Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee. Or if you love the show, want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash Creogs Over Coffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. We have show notes for this show and all of our other episodes on our website, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week. You can find us at www.creogsovercoffee.com. Finally, if you have a question for us or you need to get in touch with Michael, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.
As some additional disclosures, this is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Neither asset allocation nor diversification guarantee against loss. They are methods used to manage risk. The SP500 index is an unmanaged index of 500 stocks that is generally representative of the performance of larger companies in the U.S. Please note an investor cannot invest directly in an index. Qualified distributions must meet a five-year holding period and satisfy one of three additional requirements, reaching age 59 and a half, disability, or death. Five years is measured from January 1st of the year of your first Roth K contribution. Plan provision may impact withdrawal availability. Investors' anticipated tax bracket in retirement will determine whether or not a Roth account versus a traditional retirement account will provide more money in retirement. Generally, investors who are in higher tax brackets at retirement relative to their current tax bracket while making contributions to a Roth account benefit more than an investor who is in a lower tax bracket at retirement. For a Roth IRA, earnings withdrawn prior to reaching age 59 and a half and or not meeting the five-year holding period may be subject to a 10% penalty in addition to income tax. After-tax contribution amounts are generally returned income tax-free. However, for Roth conversions, if converted amounts are not held for the five-year period, distributions may be subject to a 10% penalty.